Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Vandemotter. Hello, people. We're back in the lab. We're cooking up another episode. We got three sports today. Super exciting for us because we haven't been here in a while. So, Also, I haven't done an episode like this in a while where we just talked about all the Cleveland sports teams. Just a recap for y'all. So we're going to talk about the Cavs, Guardians, and the Browns. Give you a quick brief on every every one of them, what's going on. Nothing too deep, and let's get into it. Yeah, so first, we'll start with the most depressing team just to get it out of the way. And I'm sure you can already guess who that is. That is the Cleveland Browns. So for the second year in a row, the Browns have missed the playoffs. But let's talk about a little bit of better news with them. Deshaun Watson, Jack, has looked better and better and better. Yeah, so Browns obviously missed the playoffs. That's super depressing. I think a lot of people were, even though like we knew coming into the season that the Browns were likely to miss the playoffs with Deshaun being suspended for the first 11 games, I think a lot of people were expecting them to based on the reaction that I saw on social media and et cetera. I don't think this is surprising to me. However... You can't you can't lie that the Browns are clearly underperforming as to what the talent on paper shows. As far as Deshaun Watson and that whole trade, the one bright spot that we obviously saw that you just mentioned, he looked really good on Sunday in the second half of that game, where he goes for 146 and three touchdowns in the second half. He looked in control of the offense, which I was super excited to see. I never had any worries, but you know, just a pretty pretty mild year and boring year for the the Browns. Yeah, so Watson did look better in that second half. The first half was pretty icky, but you saw that relationship, that chemistry that he's developing with Mari Cooper, and it gets you really excited to you know see what happens next year, and that's always what we say with the Browns, so we shall see what happens. But so far through five games, Sean Watson is throwing for a completion percentage of 56.7%, which is really not good. He needs to get that up. It's not good. But again, this is a new offense, and I know that you're hard on Kevin Stefanski, John, but like, I think we need to give him a year with mm-hmm. Kevin Stefanski to see what he can do. Obviously, he hasn't played in you know two years before this, so and, and he was 6 of 10 in that second half, so 60%, I guess. It's a little better in the second half versus the commander, so I, I expect him to get better. I think he'll look for the checkdowns more and then eventually go deep to, you know. Another thing, too, that we don't have written down is like, in Houston, his time as Houston, he always had a check down guy. Remember, like, Kiki QT? Yeah. And we don't really have that. I think David Bell was who we brought in for that role, and he hasn't really ex- excelled in that. You know, he's, I mean, he's much. a rookie. He's a rookie, so I'm, yeah. I'm not harping on him. But I think he needs a guy like that. And then Njoku, coming off injury, has played a few games with him, but they haven't developed the chemistry. So we'll see. I'm not too worried about it. But I don't think Stefanski's the problem. I don't think Watson's the problem. Yeah, so... Another part that factored into that was that Raiders game, which there wasn't much throwing in. The throwing that happened, a lot of balls were dropped. But anyways, he has 872 yards, five touchdowns in the air, three interceptions. In addition to that, he has 30 rushes for 131 yards and one touchdown. That's good for 4.4 yards per carry. So the Browns now have a quarterback that can run the ball, which is really cool to see and another dynamic that is added to our offense. And Jack, the Browns' offense needs to score a lot of points because they have someone leading the defense that really doesn't seem to know what he's doing, and that's Joe Woods. 
I mean, we've talked about him for years on this podcast, and he's an absolute joke, and I'm not afraid to say that about Joe Woods because you saw the news that came out about Jadavion Clowney mm-hmm. recently, today, actually, where Clowney is like, okay, first of all, obviously, if you haven't heard the news, he's like 95% sure. Mary Kay Cabot asked him a question about if you know what his future with the Browns looks like. Clowney says, 95% sure I won't be back. Meaning, I mean, that's that's not common for an NFL player to come out and say that, even though it is an exit interview. Like, he has no, there's no, like, incentive for him to lie. But it's like, he's been here for two years. He's been here for two years. You would think he'd have a little more respect for just, like, his departure from Cleveland. But really the main reason that I, you know, took away was he was fed up with Joe Woods in the system that he deployed, obviously saying in the quote that, the Browns wanted to move him to the other side of the defense after practicing one way all week and all year to essentially get Miles Garrett more sacks versus an inferior lineman. And he was fed up with that because he didn't feel like the Browns valued his skill set. So I don't know what you think of that. Do you think that's more on Clowney having a bad attitude or do you think that's Joe Woods? I think that's a collection of everything, Jack. I think, yeah, Clowney doesn't have a good attitude when it comes to it, but that's definitely unfair. I think Joe Woods just doesn't know what he's doing and is trying to scramble to make this defense look the best it possibly can and get Miles Garrett those sacks so he can keep his job at the end of the year. I think maybe it's a culture thing as well with a player just blurting this out because we've seen players in the Browns organization act out in the past. I don't know if that's more of a reflection of the culture that we have or the players that we're bringing in, but that's still in the hands of the organization to control that because you're ultimately bringing in those players, right? Yeah. To that point, Jadavion Clowney has a history of jumping from team to team and kind of not being the most like team-oriented guy, so I don't think it's like the most alarming thing versus like if a guy that was a great teammate, if Jacoby Brissett comes out and say that, I'm be like, okay, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. But no, I think I think you you were right when it said it's probably a collective thing. Joe Woods deserves no credit. I mean, that's I I saw something that was like that's a, essentially the equivalent of studying all week for a math test and then getting hit with a science test on test day. It's like so I, I it's, it's hard to blame Jadavian Clowney when it's you know when something like that happens. But again, that's something that you have to be a little bit more professional about. Right, and being professional is also running an efficient defense that works and doesn't allow a lot of points. And so far, Joe Woods is 18th in points per game, which isn't terrible, but that's still in the bottom half of the league. But the, part of that has been like the last few games, which is happens every single yeah, year. Uh-huh. Where he ends the season strong and, and then he doesn't get fired yeah, and, and then does yeah, the same thing next It's very aggravating. But one thing that has stayed persistent the entire year is the Browns' rush defense, which is terrible. It's also a reflection on Andrew Barry's inability to bring in defensive tackles and linebackers, but the Browns are 25th in rush yards per game. The Browns are also 20th in sack percentage. They're not getting at the quarterback, and they're also 20th in takeaways per game. So this is all a reflection on Joe Woods. You're not making those tackles to stop the run. You're not putting pressure on the quarterback, and you're not taking the ball away from the opposing offense. So just none of it looks good, and... I really think the Browns might have to restart on the defensive end this year and bring in someone new. Yeah, and you talked about Andrew Barry. I want to just quickly mention that a little bit more because we have, without question, the worst defensive tackles in the league, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. without question. Like, the bottom, some of the bottom of the barrel across the whole league, even including backups. And I think 
that's a big problem with the run defense as well as the second levels. Like, we're just not making tackles. John Johnson is just, I mean, we don't need to talk about how inefficient he's been. So Andrew Barry is also a guy on the hot seat besides Joe Woods in the sense that he's got to address linebacker, safety, defensive tackle. Defensive end, too. Even defensive end with Clowney, you know, inevitably leaving. There's some some things that he needs to address and, and some coaching that he needs to change, and we'll see how it happens. But, you know, obviously we, we have one more game to go. Mm-hmm. Steelers, this is, you know, John Johnson described this game as a must-win, which is interesting to say. <laughs> I mean, we have there's some implications on the line for this game, even though we're already eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, so the Browns are facing their most bitter rivals in the Steelers, who they can actually knock out of the playoff race. And not only knock them out of the playoff race, but give Mike Tomlin his first losing season as a head coach. I don't know of an organization that would like to do that more to the Steelers than the Browns. So it'll be an exciting game. I really, really hope that the Browns put their best foot forward in this game, but it's just who knows with you know the season already being over. Right. With that said, I don't think there's a lack of effort. I mean, I hope that there's not a lack of effort within the Browns organization. It seems like they're fired up for this game. It's in Heinz Field at Pittsburgh, so it's going to be an enemy territory. But if the Browns could pull this off, I think that's a big, a great kind of way to end this season heading into 2023, set up for the next season with a full season of Deshaun Watson. So it'd be great to see the Browns end this on a high note. And I don't think that John Johnson saying this is a must-win game is, is kind of crazy. I think that's kind of a good point because if imagine they lose this game for example I mean that's not a good look heading into next season for the off season and everything else so because the Steelers aren't anything special no they're I mean with all due respect they're they're not good like they should the Browns should win this game all right I'm officially sick of talking about a depressing team Jack I think we move on to someone more exciting someone that's actually playing right now that we got in the background and that is your Cleveland Cavaliers and Jack this team is awesome I love watching them they're fun to watch and they play really really hard they're great they're everything the Browns are not in the sense that they have grit and they're like they're exciting to watch they're 25 and 14, fourth team in the East. The East is, you know, obviously is very good this year, but have notoriously been bad. That is no longer the case. The East is where the, the real competition's at, so the fact that they're fourth is pretty impressive. But the big storyline is Donovan Mitchell. Man, that trade is looking fantastic. Even though Laurie Markkinen's balling in it's, Utah. Yeah, it's I mean, honestly looking fantastic for yeah. both teams. We originally thought that Colin Sexton was going to be that big piece for the Jazz, but look at Laurie Markkinen, man. He's balling out. But the Cavs, what a piece they got in Donovan Mitchell. So recently, if you didn't hear about it, Donovan Mitchell just put up a 71-point performance, which is good for, I think, 8th all-time in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Tied for 8th all-time in NBA history. I was lucky enough to be there to witness it. I don't know if I'll ever see a game of that magnitude ever again in my life, but I've just never seen a player dominate so hard, turn it on so hard, and just make so many baskets in a row, especially three-pointers. So I'm loving this Donovan Mitchell trade so far, and I definitely think he will be in Utah for the All-Star game, starting for the Eastern Conference. Without question, he comes. He came in second in the East as far as guards in the first All Star voting returns, 
which just came out yesterday. He's clearly, I think, undeniably the best shooting guard in the league as far as, I mean, there's only competitions, Devin Booker, Clay Thompson. It's getting a little off topic, but he's fantastic in averaging 29 points per game. I mean, that's MVP level numbers. But the one beef, I, I guess we'll, I'll get critical here, is like he can be streaky. Mm-hmm. Like obviously on the 71-point night, he was completely on fire. Yet the game versus the Suns, he was a little colder. And that doesn't just go for Donovan Mitchell, but the entire Cavs team. They go through stretches where they just don't look like they even know how to play basketball, which is a little bit of, of a concern considering if, you know if you're a title contender. Yeah, it's definitely a concern. This team finds themselves in ruts sometimes. And going back to Donovan Mitchell for a sec, like you said, after that 71-point performance, he was a bit tired versus the Suns. And that's probably why he's getting this rest night versus the Nuggets tonight. I don't know how I feel about our best player resting versus the first team in the West. But he is. And the Cavs are streaky, Jack. They have had a five-game losing streak this year and a three-game losing streak. Those aren't terrible by any means. But those don't fly if you want to stay in that top six in the East so you don't have to be in the play-in tournament. Right. You can't have losing streaks like that. And it just seems like this team gets in ruts sometimes, and it keeps going and going and going, and it's just very hard for them to get out of it till they get a gritty win, and then they automatically turn it into a five, six, seven-game win streak. So the team right. has been streaky, and that's kind of worrisome for the playoffs. What if you lose and get in a losing streak there? You're done. Yeah. One guy that's been forgotten in this whole process is Ricky Rubio, who's expected to come back soon. But I, th- I, my hope is that a guy like Rubio can solve that because he's a playmaker, right? He's a high assist guy. He he facilitates offense, and not and obviously Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland do too. But you know, in a in a game where they're not on, to have a guy coming off the bench that can provide a spark, I think would be really beneficial because. With due respect, the Cavs bench is not great. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got, okay, Chetty Osmond's playing well. Dean Wade's been playing well, but he's been injured. Kevin Love stepped up. Kevin Love stepped up, but he, I mean, look, he's old. I, yeah. I, I, I was there for the Suns game. I didn't, you know, it wasn't the best game ever, but Kevin Love was like, oh, for whatever from three and was playing terrible defense, not boxing out. I mean, the guy's old. I, 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 I no hate against Kevin Love, but he's not the player he used to be. The, the bench can be a little lackadaisical at sometimes, and if you hit a, hit, hit a rut in a playoff series, obviously it's like over. it's game over. Yeah. So I'm hoping Ricky Rubio can be the solve for that. But, I, I mean, I, I guess I'll put you on the spot here because I, I want to keep talking about the catch for a second. Is like what do you think they need in, in terms of like what can get them out of that rut? Yeah, so f- first off, I just wanted to say that I agree with you that I think the Cavs bench is probably there weak link to the team this year they've had games where they've scored eight ten points and that's just not enough to win games you can't depend on your starters for 90 100 points a game and answering your question jack one thing that they can do and one thing that's kind of coming up in the rumor mills is trading for another score that they can start or even play off the bench move someone like karis to the bench to you know just get more scoring there and that is Bojan Bogdanovic from the Pistons. He is rumored to go maybe to multiple teams, one of which was the Cavs, but this guy's good, Jack. He could ball. He's averaging 21 points per game on 48.8% shooting. He's got a clip, but the catch is that the Pistons want a first-rounder and a young player, and the Cavs do not have first-round picks to trade because 
We just traded a bunch for the man himself, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and there's a rule in the NBA that the NBA has, which is kind of unique in that you cannot trade first-round picks in consecutive years. So the Cavs have traded, if you look at the Donovan Mitchell trade, they traded a first round from every other year for the next, I think, three odd odd years. So the Cavs cannot trade a first round pick unless it's going to be in like 2027 or something mm-hmm. crazy, right? So it's going to be a guy like maybe Karis LeVert who you trade to get Bojan Bogdanovic. I'm not saying that's going to be trade. Maybe you can get a better deal. I don't know. But would you do that if I, you were the Cavs? Yeah, I would definitely do it. I just think Bojan is more of a consistent yeah. Like player and shooter, the Cavs definitely, if they want to make a run, are gonna have to trade for someone that's either gonna score off the bench or come in at that small forward position and produce for them. It it just hasn't worked so far in that sense of having someone really step up big and maybe Rubio takes a a bigger role. We'll see, but he's also coming off an ACL injury. It's just hard when you're competing with the likes of Giannis, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie. It's it's just tough, and the Cavs need more firepower. Yeah, and I mean they're a young team, so they could use any any addi- additional help in this first year with Donovan that they that they can get. So finally, we're gonna talk about the Guardians. I know they've you know obviously been you know enjoying their off season for a while. They're a little bit out of the news. We haven't heard much from them, but. The big headline is they have finally spent, spent some money. money. I know. It's incredible. I, <laughs> I can't believe that they did that. But they signed first baseman Josh Bell to a two-year deal. and he Two years, $33 million, which, I, again, is not, like, crazy money. I mean, it's, it's you know, a little over $15 million a year, $12.5 million a year. But they finally they, they got out a free agent and a, a guy that has a big bat, someone who can hit a home run here and there. And it's exciting because I think that is a piece that we really lacked last year. Jack, I'm so excited about this. Josh Bell is a piece that I think really takes his team to the next level, especially the Guardians' offense. So Josh Bell, like you said, Jack, is a guy that brings power. Last year, the power numbers weren't quite there as he hit 17 home runs. But this is a guy that has hit 38 home runs in the past. So the power's there. He's just got to tap into it. And we'll see if he can do that in progressive field. A question that people ask with Josh Bell is, hey, we also have Josh Naylor, who plays first base, who was pretty good there defensively this year. What are they going to do with him now? The answer to that is that these guys are going to split time at both first base and DH, in my opinion. Josh Naylor hits right-handed pitching really, really well. 19 of his 20 home runs came from right-handed pitching last year. But Josh Naylor also hit 180 versus left-handed pitching last year. What does Josh Bell, though? And sorry if all these Joshes confused you. Josh Bell hits left-handed pitching really well, which is the complete opposite of Josh Naylor. So you'll be able to switch those two between lefties and righties, be able to switch them between first and DH. And I just think it's a great combo and a great power battery of those two guys together. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great complement to each other. And if anyone knows how to utilize them to the best of their ability, it's Terry Francona. So I love that signing for the Guardians. I think it's going to do really well. That's not the only signing they've made so far. They also signed catcher Mike Zunino. For a one-year, six million dollar deal, and he is set to replace a fan favorite. Uh, Can we get a little like violin playing in the background for our boy Austin Hedges? 
hog. The biggest bro to probably even ever step foot on the corner of Carnegie in Ontario, maybe besides Zach Plezak. But this guy was awesome. He was the king of being tarps off. He had the hairiest chest, but this dude was a beast. We're going to miss him. I think the fans are going to miss him especially. But Hedges did not produce as much at the plate, and his defense declined a bit. What the Guardians really liked about him was his ability to handle the pitching staff, but Zunino is a guy they brought in to make sure they're getting a catcher that can handle the pitching staff because he's done this with the Rays. As we know, the Rays have an awesome pitching staff, awesome starters, awesome bullpen. So this is someone they really trust. Zunino, Jack, was hurt last year. He had a really, really bad 2022 in which he had a negative war of negative 0.8, which is god-awful plus a batting average of 148, so Hedges out-hit him. The thing was, he was hurt, he had a shoulder injury, so they are hoping he can get back into form, which his form isn't too exciting on the batting average, and this guy has a career 200 batting average, so he's not going to get on base a lot, but he can mash. He has really, really good power. In 2021, he hit 34 home runs. So what were the Guardians lacking last year? home runs home run hitter if you can get a guy at the eighth spot in the order who's hitting 30 home runs that's a massive massive upgrade and he can handle that pitching stuff so this one is a little bit more of a risk but something that could pan out super well especially at six million dollars yeah it's clear that the guardians were valuing home run hitters that kind of came to bite them versus that in the yankees series because you know their contact hitting wasn't necessarily working and the yankees were all their runs came from home runs so in the playoffs, that obviously matters a little bit more. Your ability to hit home runs. So the two people that they've signed have that ability. So it's exciting to see what the Guardians can do, building off of last year's incredible season where they shocked everyone. And I'm, I'm, you know, as much as losing a guy like Hedges is gonna hurt, as far as my, you know, just excitement for the the team itself. And bromanship. And bro, that's it, a great word to put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It's going to be, I think, beneficial for the actual play on the field as I think they have a lot more upside with Zunino and then obviously Josh Bell. So ending with two excited teams, starting with one team that's underperforming, I feel like we still have a lot to be excited about in Cleveland, a lot of young rosters, but that is all that we have for y'all today. I'm glad to be on the mic with you again, Jack. Hopefully we can start popping out a couple more episodes since Jack and I both recently graduated from college. But that is all that we have for you today. Stay hot, our friends. Peace. And thanks to you guys who made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the Hottest underscore Take Pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.